Do you have any questions about gut health? Or more importantly, what is gut health? Why is it so important? And how does it affect our brain? Well, if you do, then this week's episode is for you. I'll be interviewing Lisa Kilgo. She's a registered holistic nutritionist, and we chat all about our gut-brain connection. Lisa is a sought-after speaker, educator, and author, and she helps people heal from diverse and complex health issues. In 2015, she spoke at TEDx on the gut-brain connection, and in 2010, she was voted BC's favorite nutritionist by the Natural Healthcare of Canada. Her brand new book, Undieting, Freedom from the Bewildering World of Fad Diets, was released in September 2020. So sit back, relax, grab your cup of tea or start your walk and let's listen in to what we can do to help our gut-brain connection. Hi, I'm Kate Boyle and welcome to the Mind Movement Health Podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you health information from diet and lifestyle to movement and nutrition. My aim is to bring you bite-sized pieces of information that you can instigate into your everyday life to change your health. Hi, Lisa, and welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you on today to be chatting about the gut-brain connection in relation to our health. So welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Kate. I'm very excited. I love talking about this topic. I do too. I think maybe it's like a nutritionist thing that the more that we can talk about it, it's like we can geek out over about how amazing the gut is and all the rest of it. So it's always nice to talk to a fellow nutritionist for sure. Now, can you um, just introduce yourself and um, tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Lisa Kilgore. I'm a registered holistic nutritionist, and I focus on finding the easiest way to help someone's body get back into balance. And the digestive system and gut health is generally a core root problem. So when when that's off, it can cause problems in so many different ways that I found that just by tweaking that and fixing the digestive system, so many other things come into uh, into balance, like your energy goes up and your skin looks better and your mind stops being so foggy, you feel so good. So as a holistic nutritionist, I work with people one-on-one as well as in a group program to help them find balance in their life and understand what their body wants. Uh, and that's a part of what I do is by really engaging in your body symptoms and cravings and everything, all of those signals that's given on a day-to-day basis can help us guide to what will find balance. So your chocolate cravings are are a really important step in finding balance. Don't say that. Chocolate is a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's (laughs) in small amounts. (laughs) I'm like, oh, I couldn't give up my chocolate. I do need some chocolate. But yes, I I chocolate every day. (laughs) But I do get your understandings, like the the cravings and things that, yes, it's just a way of your body communicating to you that it may be deficient in something and probably not necessarily chocolate. (laughs) Exactly. And sometimes it is because chocolate's high in magnesium. So there's times that we use chocolate medicinally. Yeah. Wow. That's a bonus, isn't it? (laughs) For everybody. (laughs) Now, can you give us a little bit of background info about your own health journey and how you sort of got into becoming a nutritionist as well? Yes, because I actually got, I became a nutritionist to to fix me first. Uh, In my late 
teens and early 20s, I was a mess. Um, after many rounds of antibiotics in my late teens, I had a big gut overgrowth that was causing me to be so foggy and so tired and so gray complexioned um, that I'd forget what day of the week it was. I would forget where I was going. And I was a music performance student in a very, very competitive program. And I, I didn't have time for that. Um, I also had chronic inflammation that was playing out in, and um, shooting pain down my arm arms and tendonitis in my thumbs. I had uncontrolled asthma and I was a flute player. And so when I left that program, I realized I, I had been to many doctors and they couldn't tell me anything was wrong. And so I, I started my own journey. And the very first thing I did was took a whole food green supplement. I was working for a company that sold it. And that made such a huge difference to how I felt that I realized, oh, there's power in what I eat. No doctor told, asked me what I ate. I would have told them, them that I was eating sugar and refined flour all day. I didn't think that there was anything wrong with that. And once I realized the power of food, I started learning as much as I could. And that brought me to becoming a holistic nutritionist and changing my diet from the entirely processed diet of my past to the one that I eat now. And through that, I got my gut bacteria in balance uh, fixed and balanced, and I feel so much better for it. I think that's really powerful, even just making that connection that food can change your health and not just a little bit, but majorly. And I think, you know, more and more doctors nowadays are sort of, you know, getting worded up better on, on diet and lifestyle. But I think that's where the holistic sort of name comes in and can make a real difference looking at the whole picture. So thank you for sharing your story because it's always lovely to hear everybody else's journey into health. And I think a lot of people can relate to that as well. Yeah, I think a lot of us as practitioners came in to help ourselves first. And so I, I think it's important to share the story. So when somebody comes to see me, they don't, they know that I was not a healthy eater when I was younger, that I understand where they're coming from, that I felt terrible too, and that I know the power of these small steps personally. Yeah, I think that can make a huge difference um, in somebody's confidence and helping them on their journey, especially if you've been through it yourself as well. Now, can you explain a little bit more about what the gut microbiome is to our listeners? Yeah. So the gut microbiome, first of all, it's fascinating. We are at the very beginning of learning the research behind it. And so in a nutshell, the microbiome is a colony of bacteria that lives mostly in our gut that is so vast and so huge. We are 50% bacteria. So a few years ago, uh, it, we, we thought we were 90% bacteria. So that's been corrected, but still we're 50% bacteria. So for every human cell, we have a cell of bacteria. And so these are trillions of cells and they're living inside our gut and our body evolved with this colony. So our immune system, our brain, our nervous system, our metabolism, all of these body uh, systems all evolved in, in concert with our microbiome. And so our microbiome affects all of them. And the research is pretty amazing. Gut, it's incredible. <laughs> and so like the, the, the research on the gut immune connection is incredible. The research on the gut brain connection is absolutely fascinating. And this is my favorite part of the gut connection because we can 
our we can look at how our how it affects our mood, how it possibly affects our personality, uh, and and how these are connected to symptoms in our digestive system. That things like anxiety and depression have digestive symptoms to them. And so when we can connect all of these, we then become holistic. Like you said before, when we're looking at the whole body, that's why I like holistic nutrition so much is that you're not separating each one. And so the microbiome can be looked at in concert with so many other body systems. And when it is in balance, when this colony is working for you again, your body gets into an amazing balance. It's pretty uh, astounding, really, isn't it, when you sort of think about it. And yeah. the fact that this research, it's relatively new in terms of research that it's sort of coming through, especially with the gut and the brain connection and, and with them sort of saying that the gut is our second brain now, that, you know, that's kind of, you know, being founded. But in, in the length of research time, it is quite recent. So can you share with us sort of the different effects a little bit more on the different gut bacteria that we have, the types of gut bacteria they, we have and how they can affect our gut? Sure. Uh, yeah. And, and this is so brand new. Um, we, as I said a, a few minutes ago, we just learned how big it is. Like we thought it was bigger than it was and that we've had to correct a lot of things. And so our, our gut bacteria, most colonies have about a thousand different types of bacteria and yeasts and parasites all working together. The easiest way to think of this is, is to think of a rainforest of all of the different plants and animals and how important, how they, they work together. So you can't just throw something new in and expect it to work. Um, they're all there working with each other. And when things go off, it's because something's either missing or something's overgrowing. Uh, we have a beneficial bacteria called probiotics and then um, not, not so beneficial bacteria and yeasts and parasites. And they all work together. So when the gut's imbalanced, it's not 100% good bacteria, it's mostly good bacteria, it's about 75% good bacteria. And that keeps in check all of the other guys. Um, but what we're finding, again, brand new, we don't know a lot, is that even some parasites and some yeast play a balancing role. And so without even some of these, what we call bad guys, uh, our, our system gets out of whack. The main two types families of bacteria are lactobacillus and bifidobacteria. So lactobacillus, um, the easiest way to think of that is that it's upper GI, it's small intestinal tract, stomach, mouth. Um, it, it plays, it, there, it's a very important um, strains of bacteria and they play roles in hormones and our immune system and our brain. And then the bifidobacteria that's generally living in the gut. Um, they all live everywhere, but there's a bigger concentration in the colon. And um, it's, and those ones are really important for regularity and, and, and the gut brain connection as well. A lot of the times our fermented foods are high in those lactobacillus, but we're missing the bifido, the bifidobacteria we used to get from dirty water uh, because our water wasn't clean until recently and we didn't have great sanitation until recently. And what the, when these are missing and certain uh, parasites and yeasts are missing, then we can have higher rates of autoimmune conditions 
emotions and inflammation and uh, affects our mood. And so what we want to do is always be aware in this new clean world that we do need to do a little bit of work for our gut bacteria, something we didn't need to do a hundred years ago. We now just need to pay a bit more attention just because we don't live around animals. We drink clean water. We have good sanitation. I want all of these things. I like living around animals, but <laughs> the good sanitation and clean water, I'm a big fan of. Um, and so we just need to pay a bit more attention than we than we have before yeah so what are the types of things we can do to try to help the growth of that good bacteria and sort of hopefully down regulate the bad bacteria yeah and and it's actually really simple so what you want to do is uh, first of all uh, do an assessment of your gut bacteria look at your digestive systems uh, system um, are you dealing with regular irregularity is there any constipation diarrhea bloating gas issues how is your digestive system working um, how is your mood how is your uh, immune system working and, and just using that as a guide to say is there something out of whack in my digestive system um, if you've had a few rounds of antibiotics in the last say 10 years, there's good chance your gut bacteria is a little off. Research has found that it just takes two rounds of, of antibiotics at some point in your life to create a change and that we've all dealt with. Yeah. Um, there is antibiotic residue sometimes in our food and chlorine in our water can affect our gut bacteria too. So first of all, just say, just do an evaluation. Then you wanna seed your gut. You want to put good bacteria in like you would um, put seeds on a lawn or seeds into your garden. And that is generally a good quality probiotic uh, supplement. Uh, you, if you have digestive issues, one, one a day. If you don't have digestive issues, one a week, just to balance out what we're missing. Um, human strain, multi-strain, one that works for your gut. That's all you got to look for. Then, you, then the more important thing is you want to feed it need to feed this good bacteria. And the best way to feed it is with plant-based fibers. Um, and that is simple, fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, beans, and grains. Make sure they're in your diet. You don't need a fancy supplement. You don't need anything fancy. You just need to eat food that has fiber in it. Um, chia seeds are some really great ones. Uh, uh, ground flax seed is another, but it's just fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, and gra grains, anything that is a plant-based fiber and fermented foods. So fermented foods are like fertilizer, like they're like miracle grow for your gut. If you want to speed up this process, add a serving of fermented foods. Many of them come with some bacteria, but they're mostly of those lactobacillus. There's none of the bifido, um, but the, what they come with is bacteria that actually spends about a day in your gut, educating the whole system. It leaves uh, in its wake. There's a beautiful environment for a good, back, a good bacteria. And what they have fermented those those fibers that bacteria has always already munched on is the best food for your bacteria and um, the environment it creates is really amazing so it's really simple you need to seed it and feed it one serving of fermented foods every day that could be a good quality yogurt kefir unpasteurized sauerkraut or kimchi just some fermented food plus some plant-based fibers and chances are really high your gut's going to feel a lot better really soon and that can relate to how your your serotonin and dopamine levels are and how your mood is 
Yeah. And that's coming back to that gut brain connection and of how we can change, you know, the way we feel, our mood, our concentration just by feeding the gut Mm. well. So Mm. can you share too, is there other practices or things that may affect the gut? So things like maybe stress or lack of sleep or, and you know, how they can affect the gut and what we can do to sort of change that as well. Absolutely. Because uh, we do know for sure that stress affects the gut. Stress does create gut changes. And um, part of it is that it, it lowers our digestive function. And sometimes your listeners might be thinking, but my life is so stressful. <laughs> what you need is the moment you're eating to be relaxed because your digestive system lives in the parasympathetic nervous system. It's the rest and relax state. And stress is the sympathetic nervous system, a totally different area. And you're either stressed or you're digesting. So especially if you feel really heavy after eating, um, any um, burping or just bloating right after eating, chances are you're eating when when you're feeling a little stressed so your stomach isn't working very well and you might be eating really quickly. For all the moms out there with small kids, like this is your life right now. It's okay. When they get older, work on chewing more. It's not something to worry about right now. Um, But if your kids are old enough to sit at the table and to sit through a meal, it's time to start chewing properly. Because if you don't chew your food well, then it gets into your small intestine unbroken down. You're putting a lot of strain on your stomach and your small intestine isn't going to be happy. And that's going to lead to a lot of bloating and gas, like visible bloating and gut bacteria changes. So the simple act of being relaxed as you can while eating and chewing your food properly makes an enormous difference, an absolute enormous difference and I think it's probably one thing people don't think about do you know what I mean they just think oh I've chewed it enough to swallow it so it's enough um but I know I always say to my girls to make sure that they chew their food um and I think it's the, like the stats are it's like 26 or 20 you should be chewing at least 26 or 27 times um and my seven-year-old just the other day obviously didn't chew enough and kind of like choked a little bit. And my five-year-old piped up and went, you're just not chewing enough. So we're, oh, we, love we're, that. Yeah. So we're, we're definitely instilling it into um, our house for sure. Um, but it's funny. I just think like even teaching them at a young age and becoming aware of that is I hope hoping helping their digestive system. So yeah, as, as somebody who that. works with adults, it's really important like yeah. to, to <laughs> instill that, to get that habit when you're young, because it's harder to learn when you're older, you can, but you're breaking big habits. And so it's much easier to walk into adulthood knowing I need to chew my food and to be 60 and relearning it. And because I have a, a wonderful group of women in my group program and the number of times the answer to their question is you need to chew your food better and just put your fork down between bites, but they're struggling with it because they're, they were moms and they grew up in big house households. And that combination makes it a really hard habit to break. Yeah. And I think the other one too is um, the other one that I sort of find with my clients is listening for when they're full because they have been brought up to, you know, maybe there wasn't a lot of food. So they ate everything off their plate or their parents always told them eat everything up off their plate. And so especially when they go out to a restaurant and it's quite a big meal, they tend to eat 
everything when, you know, they need to just listen to their body and hear those cues to stop. So yeah. Yeah. And eating slower and chewing well is, is a really, is a, the way easy way in to be able to listen to the I'm full. Cause if you eat slowly, it's impossible to overeat. You'll get bored and you'll get, your body will say, no, can you please stop eating? It's when we wolf it down really fast that we overeat and you're a hundred percent right. Like I, I, this is the most important thing I teach in my group as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting that it sort of has a, that sort of flow on effect. Now, I know you have written a book called Undieting. So can you share that? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, so my book called Undieting, it came out um, in September, the end of September 2020. And so it's brand new. And it, it takes my food philosophy and puts it into a book, which is Diets are unnecessary and they're taking you away from what your body is already telling you. And when we embrace our body and understand what it's looking for, it's, the world is so much easier. Everything is so much easier. And so in it, I have a whole chapter on digestion, on how to fix the gut bacteria and why that's important with a bit on the gut brain connection. Um, I have a whole chapter on cravings. Um, I have the first half is about the politics behind the dieting industry. So if you've ever wanted to, if you ever thought maybe the dieting industry might be a little suspect, my book tells you why it really is <laughs> and why all food is good for you. Carbs are fine, especially like whole food carbs are fine. It's the refined ones are a problem. Just like proteins are fine, but watch for the refined ones and, and fats are great, are amazing for you, but be careful with the refined ones. Um, that when we walk away from the fashion uh, and the fads of dieting and food, we, we get, we're, we're just, it's a kinder state for our body and it's easier it's easy. This undieting is easy. So if your life is busy and chaotic, this is a method that you can still feel better because you're, uh, uh, you're always looking for the easiest way in. Yeah. And I totally agree with that. And I think it just kind of shows you the power of media and the power of advertising. Do you know what I mean? Like whether or not it's, you know, take these pills and you will lose weight or follow this cabbage only diet and, you know, sort of things like that. It's interesting uh, with even clients that I work with, things that they have tried in the past or things that they said have worked, but maybe not long-term. And I think that's sort of the main thing, looking at our long, long-term health and how we can sort of change that, but also be able to feel excited about continuing to look after ourselves. Yeah, because when you feel good, it, it, it like feeling good feels so amazing. But if it's hard to feel good, if what you're doing is such a struggle, then it's going to be something you remember. Oh, I, I had I, when I first started out, I had all these clients who came to see me like, yeah, I felt really great two years ago, but I can't do that again. So I don't know what to do. And so the long-term solution gives you that, that way in where you can feel really good and it works in your life. And that's really key. It has to work in your life because otherwise, if it's weight loss, you're just going up and down all the time. If it's energy, you're just going up and down all the time. And I don't want anybody to have a memory of feeling good. I just want you to feel good. Yeah, for sure. And if our listeners sort of are like, yeah, you know what? I think my gut health may be off. Where's the easiest sort of place for them to start to start making that first sort of step and change? 
the easiest place to start would be uh, your digestive habits that that slowing down and chewing your food if that is possible in your life, depending on how old your kids are. Um, and bringing in some fermented foods and plant based fibers to help your whole digestive system work better. Um, what res the research is finding is our gut bacteria, um, it triggers the the production of things like serotonin and dopamine, which are important for our brain to function properly. Uh, and that our, our mood and our immune system is balanced just by feeding our gut some more plant-based fibers. And that within seven days of feeding your gut differently, you can make a measurable change in your, your microbiome. And that I, that's, that's a really cool result. It's pretty powerful too, and really such a short space of time, like seven days is only one week. Like if you're looking at making a change. So yeah, yeah, it's kind of amazing stuff, isn't it? Yeah. And it could be as simple as you bring in some chocolate chia pudding and uh, you're getting the magnesium from the cocoa and a flavor you like, and chia seeds are really good for the gut. And just eating that every, once a day, uh, having a chocolate chia pudding can make a difference in your regularity and your gut. And then your gut bacteria is fed differently too. Like it, it doesn't need to be overly difficult. You just need to make a few little tweaks. Yeah. And with going back to stress and our gut brain connection, mm -hmm. how, what are some practices we can sort of do to help with stress that may be affecting us? Yeah. So stress is a big deal. A lot of us are dealing with burnout and we're also dealing with, we're, we're living in a culture where stress is the, not only the norm, there's pride in it. Um, how many, how many people on social media are talking about how busy they are. And so uh, it's, it's, this is a moment to start bringing in a bit of quiet. Um, that could be five minutes of meditation. It could be a hot bath at the end of the day. It could be turning your phone off um, and even bringing into the house a quiet day where we don't go anywhere and we just kind of hang out. The, the power of quiet and being able to be okay with rest is, is so important. I was reading a book just last night that talked about how rest and not being productive is like the meditation of work. That when you, um, when you do the opposite, when you don't work, you get, you, you get the ideas, you get the creativity. This is where boredom is where creativity lies. And that if we're never quiet, if we're never bored, then we don't let our kids and ourselves have these moments where our brain really can start discovering things. And so any moment, um, I, I, I'm the first to talk about my, uh, my napping, my love of napping because I think it's really important as a practitioner to say, as an entrepreneur to say, I take a nap on a regular basis. If I need it at lunch, I go and take a nap. And I, cause I, and I feel it's a necessary thing to talk about because we talk about the other side so much. I'm significantly more productive when I work less and I nap more. And mm. that's like those, those quiet moments are big, big deals for you and your kids. Yeah, I keep saying I will get back to my naps as my kids get a bit older because my um, husband calls me the queen of napping. I'm like, yes, but I haven't napped for about four or five years, maybe more from my first to seven. So I'm like, it's yeah. been a number of years, but I am waiting to get back to those naps. And I totally agree, even just a 10 or 15 minute. And even if you don't feel like you actually fall asleep, 
it's just the act of, you know, quieting the mind and closing the eyes that you can, yeah, feel recharged yeah. after it. Exactly. So. I even said timers. So that way, like, I know I can get, I, I know this is a period of time. It's 15 or 20 minutes and I'm just going to recharge. And I don't always, I don't usually fall asleep, but man, do I feel refreshed when I'm done. Yeah, for sure. And can you touch on uh, like toxins and how they affect the gut? So whether or not they're environmental toxins or even just things like alcohol that, you know, mm-hmm. we're coming up to when we're recording this, we're coming up to sort of the holiday period. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of people may be sort of enjoying more alcohol than usual as well. Yeah. So the the little bit of good news is the American Gut Project, which is the biggest, um, it's the biggest researcher of microbiomes they uh literally take samples of poop they have at least seven thousand poop samples from americans and they're testing them and that's where a lot of our understanding of what changes the gut bacteria and what's best for it come from and they say alcohol is actually okay pay for the gut, but at one drink a week. So the good news is, is a a little bit's okay, but the bad news is, is is a little, little bit. Um, Too much is um, stresses out the liver and our detox pathways. So, so be wary. Um, It's better to have one drink every day than seven drinks in one day. So the smaller amounts on at a time is good. One of the ways that I get around that is I always pour half a half a glass of wine at a time, because I find when I have a small amount, I sip on it and I really enjoy it. And I drink it as quickly as I would a whole glass. So I, and then I can get another one if I want. Um, And so those are ways to still enjoy yourself without stressing out the body. But the biggest toxins that are the hardest on our whole system are the synthetic scented toxins. Um, I have a bit of a pet peeve when it comes to scented laundry detergent, uh, um, but it's, it's getting more and more intense every year. And um, those scents that, that you can, that you smell and that go on your skin, they affect your, your detox pathways more than anything else. And they affect your, your metabolism and they probably have an effect on our gut bacteria as well. And um, they just seem so simple. They're just scents on our, in our lotion and in our laundry detergent, um, but they're endocrine disruptors and they're hormones, which are hormone disruptors. Um, I was, uh, I was snowshoeing this weekend. Uh, I live in Canada. We snowshoe December. Amazing. And, uh, <laughs> Here in and, Australia, that is like a, a very foreign concept. Like <laughs> It was wonderful. Um, and it, 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 most of the trails to snowshoe are by cross-country trails. Like they usually come together. And so my partner and I were, were snowshoeing and we came up uh, across a spot where it was just a, a hill, a, a hill of cross-country skiers. We walk through a, a cloud of scented laundry detergent just from the people flying by. It's sticking around and it's affecting all of us. And so while this is a bit of a tangent, it is an, a really important one that, that anytime you can get these scents out of your life, your whole hormonal system will be happier. And that's just buying scented, unscented laundry detergent, get rid of the dryer sheets, uh, watch your lotions and getting ones. You can always tell if it's a toxic scent by how long it sticks around. If you put lotion on and the scent is gone in an hour, it, that was an essential oil. If you put a lotion on and two or three hours later, it's still there. That's not an essential oil. That's, that's an endocrine disruptor. <laughs> yeah. I've 
personally made lots of changes probably in the since I started having kids probably so like seven years um and it's really interesting because I've moved to essential oils and you if we're out for a walk or whatever and a lady that's wearing perfume like even if she we don't even cross paths you can just smell that someone has walked by that area with that perfume on because it is so strong so I definitely um it's one of my pet peeves as well and I really dislike scented air fresheners the ones that you know go off automatically in rooms oh those Um, are the worst (laughs) because they are just pumping extra chemicals and um for me I think the big thing is it's like why are they putting these in products and foods and whatever if it is detrimental to our bodies but um I guess the bottom line comes down that they may be cheaper and easier to process and all those sorts of things so it's disappointing but I'm glad we touched on that because it is a really big area that can affect people's health and you know and and they're totally unnecessary so you can move away from them and uh, fairly easily Uh, and and we don't have to put our dollars into them we don't need to be buying these air fresheners because essential oils work in exactly the same way without the the um the, the chemicals yeah, exactly. In because um, I have a, a Pilates studio, so I have a diffuser in the corner just mm-hmm. with some essential oils. Just because you know people are moving and they can get a bit sweaty, and sometimes. But if we can put on just some, you know, simple like lemon or peppermint, it can just freshen up or disinfect mm-hmm. with lemon and things like that. So it's much mm-hmm. more natural and it's not overpowering. Powering because mm-hmm. I find some people um, can have you know develop allergies or mm-hmm. sneeze and stuff with those air fresheners because it can just sort of upset their sinuses so um I definitely agree with uh, essential oils being mm-hmm. a great thing too yeah amazing so can you share with our listeners your contact details and where can everybody follow and contact you yes so if you'd like more information on my book just go to undieting.ca or you can find my website lisakilgore.com that's o-u-r not o-r lisakilgore.com um, and I have a undieting guide um, called five ways to eat what you want and you can find that at lisakilgore.com forward slash freebie and you can download that and then you're on my mailing list and you get all my goodies that comes out at, at least once a week Fantastic. And we will link up all that information in the show notes for listeners as well. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, for sharing such amazing information and being my guest today. I've really enjoyed you having you on the show. Thanks so much for having me on, Kate. Thanks for listening into the podcast. Please hit subscribe to be updated for each time we release a new podcast.